Welcome to You Need to See This, a film podcast about filling in the gaps of our collective cinematic experience. I'm Luce Tomlin Brenner, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Cozy Andreas Marcus Orlin. Hello. Hello, Cozy. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, it's wonderful to be here. Oh, a true treasure and a delight to be sitting in front of my my work computer at home and having a lovely conversation already. Oh, I I am just so pleased to hear that you're enjoying this conversation already. Let me tell our gorgeous listeners that you and I are comedians, writers, filmmakers, and most importantly, film lovers. We love the film. <laughs> we do, we do. And because we love it. Yes, it's so much. It's Coming out of our pores, yuck! <laughs> it's all ooze. Because it's we're oozing our love for film, and we because we love it so much, we pick a film each twice a month <laughs> <laughs> that one of us has seen and one of us has not seen, and then we try to convince each other and you, sweet precious listener, that this movie is worth your time. Put it up to the top of your list. We are really spanning genres here at You Need to See This. We cover everything from 70s British folk horror to How Did You Miss This Blockbusters? And most importantly, folks, we do it all with no spoilers. Not a single one. So you can continue to enjoy your movie. Yes, exactly. Uh, but before we get into today's film, Cozy, you watched a film that I had demanded you see on a previous episode. What's that film? That is- that is correct. Let's do a We Saw It. We Saw It. Uh, this edition of We Saw It is about home fries. <gasps> oh, my God, my beloved home fries. That <laughs> is an episode we did last spring. Mm-hmm. And True. I am um, dying to hear what you thought of it. Excellent. Well, I am dying to tell you it was very sweet. It was a very sweet movie. <laughs> it's so sweet and funny, yeah? Yeah, and it also has like a t- it had a bunch of good tension for a lot of it. It was a very tense movie in a great way, like yeah. underscore tension. Yeah, like really suspenseful. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, but you worry. It makes you worry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the score felt very like Tim Burtony at times. It was very like Danny Elfmany. Right. I know. I think that was one of my reasons. But it's not. Yeah. But it's not Danny Elfman. Yeah, I had to look it up, and then I remembered. I was like, oh yeah, she told me that. It's an incredible oh. score. I love it. Absolutely. And I, I loved I loved that John Hawks was in it. He had a DJ Qualls energy, and it was very strange. <laughs> he did. He did. I had a – my um, college boyfriend hated DJ Qualls so much that, like, oh, no. anytime there was a movie where he happened to be in it, he's like, I veto this film. I will not watch. Oh, bummer. I, I had kind of the weird opposite where my best friend uh, – DJ Qualls, when he played uh, the new guy or the new kid or whatever, he mm-hmm. looked du- directly like my best friend in high school. So I was like, this guy's great. What a great guy, DJ Qualls. Wow. Oh, that's sweet. I'm sorry yeah. that uh, my college boyfriend didn't like him, didn't like your oh, best friend. <laughs> I'm sorry, too. You missed out on some real good qual- quality time. Some quality time. There it is. <laughs> so you did you do you love it? Are you saying are you confirming that people need to see it? I'm confirming that people do need to see it. Absolutely. Um, I, let's see. I was constantly annoyed at Jake Busey, but that's the point. So mm-hmm. he did a good job being annoyable. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he's very annoying. Um, and let's not forget, listeners, that I almost, I believe I had the opportunity to sleep with Jake Busey a couple years ago, and I did not take it because I'm currently in my first and most lovely monogamous relationship. But still, I don't ever want anyone to forget that Jake Busey grabbed my hand and held it while putting his hand on my other, like holding my hand in his <laughs> hands, shaking it and looking deep into my eyes at a horror convention in 2019. Uh, I do remember that. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, oh, those are the things that cannot be let go. Hold it on was, to them forever. Exactly. Oh, it's wonderful. Thank you. Uh, and for those listeners uh, who those did chompers, listen to- I love them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for those listeners who did listen uh, to that episode where, where Luce covered home fries, uh, you'll remember that I was confused about some stuff uh, in terms of just how all the family stuff is related and how everyone's related. And I will say, as a sort of a postscript to that, there was one brief 
brief moment where I had that same confusion that I had during the episode, briefly. <laughs> but it was 100% totally clear for the rest of the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And there was even a scene that kind of addressed that confusion, too. So I was really happy about that. I'm glad it made sense to me in the moment. It's a little, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of uh, misunderstandings. People's uh, aren't who they say they are or aren't who they seem like they are. So there's a yeah. lot of things to keep track of. Yeah, but none of it was off-putting and it f- didn't feel like, it really didn't feel like you were confused. It just felt like you were keeping track well of all of those parts oh, during good. it. So that was nice. Oh, I mean, and how wonderful was Catherine O'Hara? Oh yeah, I mean it's just a it's just a riff on what she what we know she does, which is great work. Yes. Uh, uh, it was nice to see her go from like eleven to one and one to eleven back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> I know, absolutely the best manic energy, the type of woman I love seeing on the screen. So completely. Um, yeah. Well, and I just want to correct. I said that it was last spring. Actually, this was uh, an August episode. So Ooh, gotcha, gotcha. The end of last summer, if people want to go back and listen, it was our uh, 34th episode. Yeah, go check it out, folks. Awesome. And we'll link that in the show notes so it's easy for y'all to see. Um, <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking my recommendation, Cozy. It always makes me feel good when I'm able to convince you of one of my favorite films. Absolutely. And it always makes me feel good when they turn out amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was a this was important to me to do because this movie was severely mismarketed as a rom com, and I think right. a lot of people missed it because it looked dumb. Like if you watch the trailer, which I, is linked in uh, that episode's notes, like it's stupid looking. Like yeah, it I doesn't look good. <laughs> yeah, I rewatched the trailer when I was trying to decide which one to watch, and I was like, oh no, I see what she was talking about. That is a bummer of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not what the movie is at all. And there's so few dark comedies out there. And it's really my favorite. Like horror comedy and dark comedy is my favorite su- sub-genre. <laughs> yes. Oh, so, so good. So, so good. And to be able to mix the like really that dark suspense, the tension properly, balancing it with comedy, it's just a very difficult skill. And a lot of people can't do it. Like there's a lot of movies that fail both comedically and in the suspense way as well. Yeah, I'm just always glad when people try because I feel like here in California there isn't a lot of um f- verbalized darkness. I feel like usually it's kind of mm. either either an undercurrent under very toxic positivity or it's just not mentioned or existing at all. And so I'm always really happy to see darkness in my life. Mm, yes, <laughs> me too. I love the darkness. I'm so happy to hear you say that cozy because today's film is very dark. Ooh, good, 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 good. <laughs> so today we're discussing 1971's Blood on Satan's Claw. And Cozy, <laughs> you need to see this. I've never heard of this. That sounds great already. Blood on Satan's Claw. Love yeah. it. Damn. It also, uh, when it was originally, this is a British film. It was originally released in America as Satan's Skin. Which, Ooh, that is a choice. Yeah, is also like real sexy sounding. <laughs> it's skin is weird because it can be both. I because I write about plastic surgery, I have to write about skin a lot, and uh, the, and because I'm a writer, I have to care about verbiage a lot. So uh, there are a lot of ways to say skin in a sentence very poorly and make it creepy quick. <laughs> yeah, well, how do you feel about the word flesh? Flesh, I haven't had – flesh is something I would never use when I'm writing about plastic <laughs> surgery. Like, that has so many implications immediately. First, we cut the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You can have so much excess uh, – so much less excess flesh on your face or neck. <laughs> it just doesn't – oh, it doesn't work. Excess it's, flesh. It's so it. lush as a word. It's very lush. I know. I think it's such a gross word, but I'm like obsessed with it. Like I think it immediately sounds like perverted and perverse where it's just like this person is up to no good. Yeah. uh, Does your flesh feel cold right now? (laughs) It's like, let me touch it. Wow. Your flesh looks really good today. Like there's no way to use it. it. (laughs) It's never not sinister. Softest flesh. (laughs) I love, I love it. That's, it's rare that you run into a word that is only like it's only context Horrific. is not normal. Yeah. <laughs> Most words are designed for normal. That's what's so, that's great. I like this. 
<laughs> um, well, okay. So our punch up is it should be called uh, Blood on Satan's Flesh. But other yes, than please. that, um, I really like this title a lot because I, you think of Satan typically as having hooves because it's like part goat. So mm-hmm. I've never thought of Satan as having claws before. So I think right away it, it puts some interesting imagery in your mind. Oh, see, I was thinking, I was thinking like, uh, like hand claw rather than foot claw. Like birds seem to have foot claws, whereas like evil things seem to have hand claws. Mm. So yeah, yeah. But you know what? That makes a lot of sense too, because I guess with goats, it would be hooves on top and bottom. Right, but I do like the idea of hooves on bottom, claws on top. But you're gonna tear through so many clothes that way. Oh. You People need- with claws, they got problems. It's not easy for them. Everything is bad. ripped. <laughs> Everything is ripped. I have That's- to be punk rock because I can't be put together even if I wanted to be. That feels like the next title of a podcast that we should do. Everything is ripped. <laughs> it should not be. About all the old clothes that we own. <laughs> yeah, much better than it being like a muscle-based podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. Everything, everyone's ripped. Yeah. <laughs> Or it could just be yeah, about uh, MP3s. About <laughs> <laughs> cool. It could be a mix. Like, let's talk about, like, my favorite skirt from college, this guy I saw, and the Santa Monica boardwalk, and some <laughs> music that you downloaded recently. <laughs> this is perfect. And then we can hit stuff that no one assumes is ripped and then find a way to make it ripped. <laughs> I love it. Stay tuned for Everything's Ripped after this episode of You Need to See This. <laughs> Look for it in our feed. <laughs> All right. So you've never seen this film because you've never heard of this film. Correct. Which is probably the case with most 70s films in general, especially 70s British films, uh, especially 70s British dark films that I'm assuming are horror related. Uh, yeah. No, yes. it's just way outside of my, my normal sphere. Right, which is one of the reasons that I picked it, because we're always trying to get cozy to watch movies that happened later or earlier. Uh, Yes. hmm. So (laughs) I do think that this is an issue that a lot of people have, especially like a lot of horror lovers. Um, Maybe there are a lot of people who like enjoy like the grindhouse, like exploitation type films from this time. But British horror is really um, underappreciated, I think. There are definitely people who love it and niches for it, because um, the biggest horror studio... In the 60s and 70s was a Hammer, Hammer Films. Mm. Have you oh, heard right. of them before? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like all uh, Christopher Lee um, was the major uh, person who was in all of their films. And so mm. this uh, Blood and Satan's Claw was actually made by a much smaller uh, horror movie house called Tygon Films. And mm. How's that uh, spelled? Tygon Films, spelled T-I-G-O-N. Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Is that how you Could have been an it? I or a Y. I mean, I have no idea to be honest. If there, if it's a reference to like Antigone, then I guess it's Tigan. But like that sounds Tigan. weird. So I, I would do it your way. Oh, Tigan, that just sort of does sound British. Or it, that's a good point. Tigan? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I guess I don't know what it's referencing. I'm just kind of assuming Antigone because that's the only piece of a word that it sounds like to me. I've never. I don't know. I can't. I can read, but I don't know how you say words out loud until I hear them. I don't know how to pronounce words. <laughs> I mean, nor should you. That's um, the thing. It's always nice to have a. It's always nice to have an example from reality. Yeah, someone teach me. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, anyways, it's a much smaller uh, production studio than um, Hammer, and they were founded by a British producer, Tony Tensor, who mm-hmm. had m- really low budgets, um, but did produce the first of um, a trilogy of films that are considered to be like the founding films of folk horror which is a subgenre noted um, by, uh, there's several genre markers, isolated whispering groups, odd pagan (laughs) symbols, ancient landscapes, lights flickering inside a dark forest, the feeling of being watched. Oh, my goodness. Lush green European fields. Yeah, so so think like um, more recent films like Midsommar, The Witch. Sure. Um, Yeah, interesting. So, People talk about like the the genre being like Haxon, uh, which is a silent film from the 20s about like the history of witchcraft as being mm-hmm. like the earliest folk horror film. Um, and then there's a, a 50s film called Night of the Demon that also is about uh, witchcraft and odd rituals. Uh, but it was this trilogy of films made by Tygon or Tigan, um, which, which were kicked off by 1968's uh, Vincent Price movie, Witchfinder General. 
which ended up being like this huge like success. And so Blood on Satan's Claw was the second movie that they made that they were trying to mm. capitalize on the success of um, Witchfinder General. So much so that there's even a couple of scenes that they uh, – a couple of scenes that they reshot that were exactly pulled from Witchfinder General <laughs> and sort of like shoehorned into Blood on Satan's Claw. And then Amazing. the third one, because we all know that three makes a pattern – uh, mm -hmm. was The Wicker Man, which I think is the most popular movie that people know about from 1973 and then was remade in the 2000s with Nicolas Cage, which was a utter fail. Um, <laughs> but The Wicker Man sort of solidified uh, the look and the feel of folk horror. Um, but yes, so Blood and Satan's Claw is an important stepping stone in um, – in the genre, and uh, let's get into who it was directed by. So it's this film's interesting because its director, Piers Haggard, had never done a horror film before. Uh, he was a British director. He did a lot of, like, classic uh, British, like, television and, like, theater. Um so he really brought a lot of story to it. He worked with the screenwriter um, Robert Wynn Simmons on really – wait, is this the right person? Yes. Sorry. I, uh, <laughs> I have so many <laughs> names pulled up and they're people that like I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I'm not expecting listeners to know who these people are. But it's really interesting oh, yeah. because – he wrote this film. This was the first film that he ever wrote. And then he didn't write another film. So this was 1971. He didn't write another one until the 80s called The Outcasts, mm. which is also about witchcraft. So sure, makes sense. he wrote two, two movies about witchcraft, didn't do anything else. So Robert Wynn Simmons wrote this like very like, um, uh, like an anthology of like three witchy occult films. And then Tygon was like, actually, we would like it if this was all one movie. So then <laughs> wow, they had the director, Pierce Haggers, who had done uh, like story-based, like dr dramatic writing and stuff before. So he came in to help uh, Robert Wynn Simmons like put a little more character detail in and like connect all of the stories. Um, hmm. And so he talks about in interviews, Pierce Haggard, about he's like, I didn't know any of the horror stuff. That was all Robert Wynn Simmons conjured all of that imagery. I really just tried to focus on like characters and pushing them out so that they felt really realistic, um, which is one of my notes for why this movie, I think, works so well, is that they really had two distinct voices in it that helped support each other. Mm. which I think is really cool. So the characters are really interesting uh, in this movie, even though it, I think it could be written off as just sort of like a witch plotation movie. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, I think there's like a lot of interesting character-driven stuff in it. Um, and I think it's fascinating when you watch it and you're like, this was supposed to be three films. Okay, yes, I can see that. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, some some movies just kind of show their cracks in that way or they show their separations in that way. Yeah, interesting. yeah, it is interesting. Um, so then the two actors who are in it um, might be recognizable to people who are like British cinema people. Um, mm -hmm. The one actor uh, who plays the judge in this movie, Patrick Weimark, he, this was the last movie that he ever did, and he had a heart attack at age 41 and died before this movie even got released. Oh, no. I know. Such a bummer. Um, he also did mm -hmm. uh, Polanski's movie Repulsion, which is a, you know, Polanski's a piece of shit. I love Repulsion. It's like a woman losing her mind uh, movie, which mm. is one of my favorite genres. Um, <laughs> and then he did a lot of uh, British uh, television and British film as well. And then hmm. the real standout of it is Linda Hayden, who did a lot of Hammer films, and um, including the taste, taste the Blood of Dracula with Christopher Lee, which is a title I always <laughs> thought was really terrific. Oh, yeah, that's great. Um, and she's just like a really hot, like incredible, like 70s actress. Um, and in this movie, she has outrageous eyebrows like I'll <laughs> I'll post pictures but like just the greatest eyebrows you've ever seen interesting yeah it's really distracting in a way but also <laughs> like just matter it just makes her character so specific 
Um, well, let's get into the synopsis, uh, and then we'll get into reasons. I've already touched on some of my reasons. I'm sorry I got excited. Oh, no. This is terrible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what will we do? Um, let's hear the synopsis. That'll fix things. Perfect. Okay. So Blood on Satan's Claw is all about uh, when we open it up, when we start this whole thing, we're in an 18th century British village, and a young man accidentally unearths a mysterious corpse while plowing. Within a day of this discovery, the local teens start acting out in bizarre ways, and eventually they all run off in the woods together to perform demonic rituals. The adolescents are led by a girl with incredible Eugene Levy-style eyebrows named (laughs) Angel, and Angel is played by Linda Hayden, who believes that they can commune with the devil through this dead body. When word of the satanic activity spreads, this, of course, causes a stir amongst the very Christian townspeople who will stop at nothing to rid their village of evil. Ooh. So, what do you think so nice. far? First takes? Uh, let, let's see. Uh, so, a bunch of weird teens using a corpse as a Ouija board? I'm already in. Yes. That sounds fucking great. Right? <laughs> Terrific. Well, if you like that, I think you're going to love this movie because it's a lot of <laughs> teens acting crazily and corpses being defiled. Oh, good combo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I touched on this already, but uh, my first reason for why you need to see this is that it is such an important film in the folk horror subgenre. And I, it, like I said, it created a pattern and can, conf- and, really people who love the wicker man which i think is the genre is the movie that people think of the most when they hear folk horror like the wicker man got made really? yeah interesting i i think of like the village oh the village is a good example um the village is a li- yeah it has elements of that um the vil- it's a little different because it's like this the secrets are usually supposed to be of like a people who belong to a different faith, you know, it's a pagan witchcraft, occultism, Satanism. But that's an interesting point that you brought up the village because there are secrets, right, in that movie and there are whisperings. I assume so, sure. Oh, have you not seen it? I have not. I mean, I've heard, I've heard, I'm sure I've had it spoiled for me a million times, but yeah, like I, I know there's, I, I think know the there's village is big stuff. really good and that it, people were really hard on it when it came out because people had kind of yeah. gotten cynical to the reveal style that Shyamalan's kind of been known for now, but. Oh, absolutely. It's a, I think it's his most thoughtful film. And I think if you watch it now, the concerns that he brings up are really like valid and we actually have seen a lot of people in the last year use the type of language that people in the in the village use. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it actually. Maybe I should do it. You need to see this because people hate this movie and it's actually one of my favorite movies. I think it's really smart. You should definitely do that. I, I think that'd be a great idea because that was, I think, right. That's probably right when I stopped watching Shyamalan movies or maybe like it's either one or two in because I can't remember what the exact order was. I watched Signs and then I stopped. Yeah, so whatever was, was after Signs. This, okay. Yeah. Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Signs, and then The Village was the fourth one. I think it came out in like Then that was it. Yeah. That's when I stopped. Yeah. So, oh man, I was like, yeah, <laughs> like I was so <laughs> into it. I like could not believe it. People didn't like it. And I, I loved it so much that in my horror and sci-fi film class in college, I used it as my final, the movie to, uh, for my final paper. And I had to like convince my professor to let me do it. Cause he had never watched it and he was, he hated Shyamalan. And I was like, listen, mm-hmm. it, I want to do it. Cause it composes like all the different things that we talked about this whole semester, it's like the perfect film for this. So I did it. Amazing. And then he was really, he loved the paper. I got a hundred percent on it. It convinced him to watch the movie. And then he ended up loving it. Nice. Right? Well done. <laughs> a, a grand history of convincing people to love movies. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I'm always like at the store, I'm always trying to get people to watch the village. It's, it's not a perfect film. <laughs> like there, he's, I understand people have issues with Shyamalan because he's a little saccharine and maudlin, but like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's like a very meaningful story. So 
all that to say, I can't go any further since you uh, need to see this, and um, yeah, it's one I of don't want to spoil it. <laughs> Actually, that maybe would be uh, really a difficult one to do without spoilers because <laughs> the movie itself, like the meaning behind it, is lost if you can't talk about what it is about. I don't know. I have to think about that. Yeah, we've we've done things like that before. They're always tough, though. Anywho, so maybe we could do a very special episode where you you do watch it and then we discuss it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, a, maybe. A spoiler episode. Uh, so all that to say, the paganism, occult, uh, demonic possession uh, is what marks folk horror. The idea that you're either coming, you're an outsider coming in to an odd place where everybody is acting off and their secrets abound. Or Mm -hmm. you are in a place and an outsider comes in and ruins it for you. That actually reminds me of a question I have. Great. Let's hear it. When is this movie set? Yes. 18th century. So uh, in the 1700s. 1700s. Okay. So these are, these are, these are like village, these are village, I don't know, I, I had a moment when you were describing it where I was going to make a joke, but then I was like, no, no, it's probably in the 70s, so that's fine. But village teens, I like the concept of village teens because it was before teens was a thing. (laughs) So instead, they're just like little kids or children or whatever, whatever, you know, but at at that same age. I don't know if I'm making any sense right now, but yeah, teenagers. I thought teenagers is like a, a word that wasn't even founded until like the 40s. So Right. It's like such a modern term. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. I know. And I was thinking about that when I wrote it. And then I was just like every every synopsis of it everywhere is like the teens, the teens, the teens. And it's of like, course. yeah, they're the adolescents because there's like a lot of sexuality in it. Um, mm. That's kind of like there's a, I'll just say up front. There's aspects of this story that are like slightly yikes, but like. Sure. It also is of a specific horror. It's horror, first of all, and it's of a specific time. So I just, I don't know. Um, I think Mm -hmm. it's really, really, really fun because even though it's set in like that time period, people don't, it's not like The Witch, which I absolutely love and one of my all time favorite movies where Robert Eggers, you know, read uh, William Bradford's Plymouth Plantation Chronicles and Cotton Mather's Salem Witch Trials Chronicles and like pulled language directly from these 17th century writings and had the characters talk in, you know, accurate 17th century dialogue. So there are scenes that you kind of have to watch twice or have with subtitles on to like fully grasp. But um, it's not, the writing isn't like that. Like it feels very um, good. It's like extremely accessible. It's people that are being more like, Oh my goodness, this woman is taken <laughs> with a problem. You know, it's more like oh, the, right, right, right. Uh, the pomp and circumstance. I feel like they use a lot of like, oh, blah, 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 like blusteriness <laughs> in their voice. And that's what sets it in the olden days. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, that's perfect. That's the only time that I find that acceptable for, for to use. Anytime I see di- like even a little bit of dialogue like that for modern characters, I get upset. I'm just like, no yes. one says, oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, yes. You're like, my lord. Uh, <laughs> oh, so stiff. Oh, yes, yeah. And it's but perfect works, for this movie. Yeah, and it works because it's British. Um, yeah, oh, good call. But yeah, it's like the fact that they're teenagers is important because um, they are acting in these really terrifying ways to the adults, right? So it's like they are yeah. children. It seems like they range in ages from like 12 to 13 to like 18, 19, 20. Um mm-hmm. So they they definitely are portrayed as like the town youth, you know, but they're not sure. like little baby children. They're all right, right, right. of the teen persuasion. <laughs> but they're not wearing Absolutely. like leather jackets and riding motorcycles. <laughs> no, but the spirit of that is definitely happening, it sounds like. Absolutely. Yes, there's definitely a spirit of motorcycles in this movie. <laughs> nice. So um, just to finish up my first reason, if listeners out there love modern folk horror like Midsommar and The Witch, Field in England, or November, uh, Blood on Satan's Claw is a must-see to understand the roots of the genre. And uh, it's also just very unique, um, which is, gets me into my next uh, point. This is an extremely odd story, and I have never watched a movie like this before. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Yeah, you know I'm a fan of that. Yeah, there are so many twists and turns and, like, character details. And, like, there's definitely – 
times where you're like, wait, but why is this person, who is this person? And I feel like that's a mark (laughs) of like 70s and 60s horror where like a new character is introduced at the end of the second act. And you're like, what? (laughs) Why? (laughs) And because they were purposely lifting scenes from Witchfinder General to like re mm. not, it's not like the scenes from that movie they reshot them with characters from this movie but like there's certain scenes where you're like this doesn't seem necessary and if you you know hit a point like that just be like oh yeah that was probably because they're trying to pay homage to Witchfinder General <laughs> mm, right so, right right <laughs> but but it's really fun like there's never like um I don't think any of it is nonsensical it's just like okay they just keep adding things to the fire so to speak I mean, yeah. I mean, that makes sense with a movie that that is three movies. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's the other thing I love about that background because you're watching and you're like, yeah, this is supposed to be three different movies. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's done with such verb and style and like it's so over the top. Like it's a very hyperbolic movie. And I just mm. – it's so – Odd. I just think it's an odd film. Like the entire time I was watching it, I thought it was like spooky and like really aesthetically pleasing. But then it also just kept being like, oh, okay. Okay. Wow. Wild. Like it just kept getting more and more wild for me. <laughs> oh, that's fun. <laughs> um, it's okay. My third reason, it's also really beautiful. Um, mm. As I was saying earlier, folk horror is marked by sun-soaked pastoral settings, and this movie really takes advantage of that to show these gorgeous, like, green rolling fields with children running and laughing and whispering behind ch- trees, and you're like, what's happening back there? And you can't quite see it, and you try to see it, but you feel like you're being watched. It's great. <laughs> like, it's just such a um, – it evokes so much – feelings of both like childhood and also danger while it looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, I rewatched the witch last night as a part of my um, Patreon that I do with it's always Halloween because we're doing folk horror right now, which is also why I'm like obsessed with it and talking about it so much. Um, Mm -hmm. And I love the way that the witch looks, but it's totally different. It's one of the few folk horror films that while it takes place during the day, it's all washed in like grays and browns and like dark, muddied greens and blues and it's just so like brutal looking and it really you know evokes how difficult being a pilgrim was and uh how gross and like uh, how how the puritans (laughs) were just so gross how they just were like we don't want any joy no color no joy (laughs) yeah exactly and it's interesting because this film is right yeah and they do such a great job with decolorizing sort of that film but blood on satan's claw is really really bright so there's a ton of bright colors and it's just really uh because it's kind of got that technicolor 70s vibe to it it's really fun like feast for the eyes i like that uh i remember when we were talking about uh jacob when jacob chase was on and we were talking to him about his movie um come play there was like there were i was I remember complimenting him on a scene that was just all white and so bright and being like, I don't remember seeing this in horror movies very often. Mm-hmm. So this sounds like it's evoking that in some way or obviously the opposite, but um, that was evoking this. But yeah, I like that. That sounds cool. I don't see enough horror movies where things are bright and sunny. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, when Midsommar came out, came- came out all the critics were talking about like horror in broad daylight and like how how incredible to make something so sunny be so scary and like definitely those elements were all there and it's true but that wasn't Ari Aster's like you know idea (laughs) yeah I I also yeah yeah that definitely wasn't his amazing innovation or anything I also didn't find that one particularly scary I just kind of was waiting for such a long time for things to be horrifying and when they were they were more weird and then I was like oh this is a weird yeah this is a weird things movie yeah it was mostly gross um yeah it's like gross and weird yeah I didn't find it like scary the way I felt like hereditary was really scary um Mm. But I, I mean, I like it as an entry in the folk horror canon. That makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, so if you've seen Midsommar, I think it would be really interesting for you, Cozy, to kind of compare and contrast because it's definitely taking notes from Blood on Satan's Claw and The Wicker Man, which I also recommend. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. Um. All right. Well, let's see. That was my third. So let's get into the fourth, which is that the devil effects in this movie, like when the children are becoming possessed, is they're <laughs> incredible. There's Ooh. some really fun stuff and some really violent stuff. And, you know, it's of the time. So the effects are not like realistic in a way where like if I was seeing somebody chop off their own hand in a a current movie I like couldn't watch Mm -hmm. it because I feel like it would be so brutal and in this movie where somebody does that it's like you're like oh gross but it's more you can tell it's a prop so it's sure it's both gross and really funny and fun and bizarre because the blood is like that wonderful bright red like neon blood um and the acting is just, like I said, very big, very horrified. All of these uh, good Christians are being overtaken by the devil who's making them cut off their hands. And it's just, <laughs> it's wild. Um, so I really, I really appreciate all of the, the different ways that they show the children becoming possessed because there was just a ton of stuff I never saw before. A lot of it having to do with their bodies changing, which I guess you could say there's even a um, you know, a puberty, uh, coming of age, a uh, little bit tucked into this story. <laughs> sure. Of course. A that makes a lot of sense. Vibe. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> I'm into that. Yeah. I like, I always like big hyperbolic, hyperbolic violence. Uh, that's very like silly. It's really one of the main reasons why I like Tarantino movies. Cause I'm like, this is mm-hmm. crazy. Good for him. Mm-hmm. I agree. I love that too. I think there's like a release to it where I can, because I, I love violence in movies, but I like it when it's not realistic because it, yeah. it provide for me, it provides the release of like vengeance or, um, yeah, comeuppance, I guess the same thing, but like without having to deal with the reality of like, well, actually, if we did this to people, it would be really horrifying and, and cruel, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I find myself laughing in the theater like a crazy person whenever those are happening. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm terrified, but also good for them because it's so dumb and fun and big. <laughs> right. I mean, that's like the joy of horror for me is that I laugh, is that it really, it makes me laugh a lot because it's like ho- horrifying and that's how my body reacts. It's like a huge release to just see honest horror on the screen and instead of like our day-to-day lives where we are confronted with cruelty and horror every day and everyone's like okay but I need you to get your invoice in by noon (laughs) it's just like all right let's all pretend that what we're seeing is totally fine and not like the most awful thing that we've ever read in our lives right exactly Um, so I like that horror just puts it out there and you're like yes the gore I live in gore (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Mm. It's so funny every time. Um, well, I think you're going to really appreciate those aspects to this movie then. Um, <laughs> and then my number five is it has an incredible score. It has a score I have never heard before. It's so unique. And I have been enjoying listening to it while I work now. What type of score? What are we talking yes. about? So the score is by mm. Mark Wilkinson, who actually didn't do any other horror movies. Um, he did a lot of theater, a lot of Shakespeare, uh, Richard III, Macbeth. Um, he did do uh, the music for uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Are Dead, which is one of my favorite <laughs> plays and then movies. Um but the other movies that he did are like uh, dramatic, like drama, British dramas. So hmm. I think it's really interesting um, that he did such an incredible horror score because he he utilizes instruments that I had never even heard of before. So one of the key uh, instruments is an Andes Martinot. Martinot? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, no, I've never heard of that one either. Nice. Uh, yes, it's the earliest electronic instrument. So, Ooh, wow. Yeah, it's it has a keyboard, so picture like a piano or an organ kind of, um, but it has these rings that sort of go across the top, almost like a rainbow going from one end of the piano to the other, and they're metal um, wires, and you move rings across them to create a Whoa. wavering sound similar to a theremin. That's amazing. Yeah, that sounds like a great one for scoring. No question. Yeah, so it's like really discordant and um, uh, supernatural sounding. Uh, And then Mm. the other instrument he uses was another one I hadn't heard of before called the cymbalum. 
and it's a cordophone. Yeah. Oh, wow, wow. So a, a cordophone is like a, uh, like a, I don't know, a big flat surface with uh, metal strings across it, you know? Hmm. Uh, okay. So it's, it's a trapezoidal, and then it, it looks like a table, but it's a trapezoid table, and then it has the straight metal uh, cord strings, like on a guitar. Oh, I, I had one of those when I was growing up. Someone gave me one of those to learn how to play songs on. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that I probably probably never used ever. I probably used it when I first got it for a half a second. But yeah, I remember that. That's Weird. wild. Wow, you had a simulum. <laughs> <laughs> you could have made an extremely haunting score with it, and you chose not to. Ugh. Oh, I can't believe that the world has been robbed of my genius yet again. Yet again. <laughs> well, uh, I really love, again, it's so spooky. It's so odd. The There also is like chanting in it, which is very cool and fun. Um mm. Yeah, and I, I looked it up. I was it really needs to be on. I think it would make a great vinyl. It doesn't look like it's available on vinyl. You can buy it on CD. <laughs> Ooh, nice. All um, right, I'm in. <laughs> and you can get it. It's out there. You can listen to it on like YouTube and uh, various streaming platforms. So I hmm. really recommend uh, the terrific score. And when when uh, I was watching this with a group, everybody was like, "I have never heard music like this before." So not Ooh, just me. Well. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited because that means we'll get to hear some at the very end of the episode. Ooh. Exactly. I'm going to pull some and uh, include a little bit at the end. So those are my five reasons. What do you think? Hmm. I think that sounds great and crazy, and I'm very down to check it out. <laughs> uh, Yay. I, I, the one thing that I was wondering about when I was looking at, at it right now is, does he have oh – God, where is – is there a claw in it that you can talk about, or does that spoil anything? Because I'm do curious see, what the title you do ref- see a, references. You see claws, yes. You do see claws, and there is blood on them. Okay, good. We're in. We're in. Yes. All right, I'm down then. Let's check this out. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just one of those horror movies that picked like an overly elaborate name, and you never actually see the thing that it's talking about. Oh, that would be such a bummer. Yeah, I was like, did we cover his claw? Okay, good, good, perfect. <laughs> yes, you will see claws in the movie. I just don't want to. There's so much stuff that happens with the teens, and I just don't want to spoil any of it. Please, so, no, um, don't. I, yeah. want, I want it all to be surprises. Uh, the only thing that I will say as a content warning is there is a scene with a character named Kathy who is one of the kids who hasn't been converted to like the the woods demon demonology sessions that they're doing, and they mm-hmm. capture her to. Um, get her involved and there is like a I guess I would say like a rapey energy to it but you never see Mm. actual um like rape or assault happen it's just really unnerving uh and the scene goes on for probably about like 10 minutes where this like 12 or 13 year old girl is like really upset and these older teen boys are trying to like uh capture her and drag her back to this uh gathering of uh possessed teens essentially Ooh, gotcha so oh that makes sense yeah so just for people out there who's like uh you know feeling sensitive about that you'll you'll know what happens you can skip forward about 10 minutes but you don't actually see anything uh too aggressive happening Hmm, gotcha yeah it's funny it it sort of strikes me a little bit uh what's a better way of saying that it also reminds me of Children of the Corn a little bit, which mm. I had forgotten about, but it kind of makes sense in in that possessed kid way, only more p- possessed teen way. Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That I like the story Children of the Corn a lot. The movie is okay. It didn't quite come to fruition, but I do love the idea of like a town full of teenagers and no adults. Oh, yeah. And yeah, see, evil. and I've still <laughs> never actually seen it, so all I'm going off of is references. <laughs> You got to watch it. It's really fun. It's not like uh, high art, but uh, sure. I, think it's a, I think it's really fun. I like to watch it around Halloween. Um, oh, not Thanksgiving? Corn is delicious. That's true. It is a good Thanksgiving <laughs> horror movie, actually. Um, nice. All right. Well, I'm excited that you're interested in watching it, and I hope I've convinced the listeners as well. And I have good news for everybody is it's actually – you can find it on for free on YouTube. Yes, so my favorite I kind of movie. I will link that in the show notes as well so that people could just go ahead and watch it right after this episode. I love it. It's amazing. 
Yeah, it's it's presented by like these YouTube guys, so like you have to skip like the first fifteen minutes. <laughs> interesting, interesting. You just I don't like, see that very often. Yeah, I know. It's like they're like tonight's film is Blood on Satan's Claw, and then they talk about it for like <laughs> ten minutes, and they start the film, and then halfway through the film they bust in for five minutes, and then at the <laughs> end they come up also. But again, it's free. Uh, but there's also like a really good um, Blu-ray release of it as well uh, that you can get. So. It's out there. It's available. Um, it's not super hard to find. It looks really good on Blu-ray. It looks way better than it does on YouTube, obviously. But <laughs> the the color and the the you know definition is better. But it's great that you can just find it for free. Yeah, I love it with older movies like that. It's so nice when they're just there. Yeah. So cozy. What did you watch this week? Any recommendations for us? I do have a recommendation. It's one that I. Uh, thought about a while ago and never did. Um, and it's the album Things Get Shaky by Keystone Kids. No, I'm not uh, familiar. Yeah, it went really below everybody's radar. It was really weird. Um, it came, let's see, it came out in like 2012. Uh, it was a side project from Carly Commando and Tom Patterson from the band Slingshot Dakota. Oh, along I love with Slingshot Dakota. Oh, awesome. I'm so happy totally that you know about them. I totally forgot about them. Yes. Right? Yeah. They keep, they've still been doing stuff. It's crazy. That's like, great. They're, ador- they're more adorable than ever. Um, yeah, then you'll like this uh, a lot. It's, ma- it's mainly her, but it's also male-female vocals because Ryan O'Donnell from a band called Yo Man Go is, is uh, in this side project. And it's just a really sweet record that's adorable. Uh, so listen to Miles. If you're going to listen to anything off of it, listen to Miles first and then listen to the full thing if you like it because it's just the sweetest record. Oh, cute. Okay, so the band is called Keystone Kids? Yeah, it's just like a one-off side project. They didn't do anything else okay. except for little cute promo videos that aged adorably but are like clearly very old. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Um, wait, and was that, what was the album title again? It's called Things Get Shaky by Keystone Kids. And I think the reason is because it was like the, they're, uh, Carly and Ryan are both from like the Keystone State or something. Oh, cool. I didn't know if it's because they drank Keystone beer all the time. It could be both. You never know. <laughs> and the Keystone State is Pennsylvania. Boom. There we go. <laughs> um, all right. Wonderful. So nothing, nothing that you watch that you want anybody to watch. <laughs> Uh, not this time this one's an old an old music wreck where i was like i have to tell people about this there are some things that i watch that i probably would want people to watch but maybe i'll save those for future episodes for next time well mm-hmm. this week i like i said i've been, I already said this a million times i rewatched the witch i watched it after doing a lot of research on folk horror and watching these uh, three mo- movies I keep talking about from T- Tigon or Tigon Films. And mm. I really enjoyed watching it again after watching its predecessors and sort of understanding it um, in that way. And I think it's really similar to Blood on Satan's Claw where it's like you are, you know, this single little village and someone comes in and changes everything and starts tearing the village apart. Um, mm. So I think they're really – it's just a little more interesting because it's American and Puritans and Puritans had to leave Britain because they were too extreme and they were being oppressed by <laughs> British Christians. So it's interesting to be like, oh yeah, the blood on Satan's claw people, like they seem kind of intensely religious, but then you juxtapose it with like Puritans and they weren't even as religious as Puritans were like, mm, sure. and it takes place during the same time period. So it's like Puritans oh, wow. had to leave these people because they didn't, they were being persecuted. That's fascinating. <laughs> they wanted to be, it really is. Yeah, because they wanted to be even more religious. So it's interesting to watch <laughs> The Witch and be like, these people are creating a supernatural world, but it's not like fun supernatural. Like it's ruining mm. their lives. <laughs> it's one of those movies that I, I sort of missed when it came out and then heard about for so long, like out of nowhere. And I was like, why did I miss this one? But, yeah, one day I'll have to check it out. It's so good. I would love it if you watched it. It's one of my all-time favorites. I think it's a perfect movie. Um, it's like it's one of those films that when I was watching it from the from the opening, I was like, this is for me. And then every oh. single moment, I was like, thank you, Robert Eggers, for making a movie for me, for me alone. This is my movie. Oh, <laughs> the best. The best. 
Yes. So um, that's my recommendation. If you've already seen it, folks, go back and, and watch a double feature with uh, Blood on Satan's Claw. I think you'll get a lot out of it. Hmm. Um, have you seen Blood on Satan's Claw or The Witch or anything that we discussed today? Let us know. We want to hear about it. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram uh, you, at at need to see pod <laughs> and you can join our facebook groups to discuss all the films we're everywhere we're easy to find um and you can get at me personally uh by checking me out on twitter and instagram as ltb comedy and uh check out uh, the other podcast i do it, uh it's always halloween at it's always halloween podcast uh what's going on with you cozy well, I've got, that's a great question. I've got my uh, my usual show quarantine date night on May 26th, which is a Wednesday. Uh, and that is uh, nice. at 8 o'clock uh, Pacific time. Thank you. Uh, on Twitch at twitch.tv slash sweet Dalai Lama, S-W-E-E-T-D-A-L-A-I-L-A-M-A. We have five quarantining couples doing improv scenes uh, together. Not the couples doing improv together, but the couples doing improv as couples and it's very adorable cute that sounds really fun it's such a fun time i i'm continually shocked at how amazing it is every single time we already have some great couples and we're gonna get even more yay all right well terrific i would again i wish isaac uh wanted to do improv <laughs> or we would do it together but he doesn't want any attention at all which actually oh, works for me in the would... long run <laughs> That is very fair. Uh, oh yeah, there's a there's a there's a show at the pack uh, that is like seems like a one off right now, but hopefully it'll just keep going. Or maybe this is the second installment of that. Uh, and they're, I think they're just calling it Pet Prov, where people are doing improv as other people's animals. So if you want to volunteer your cats for it, or if you want to do improv voices for other people's cats <laughs> or for your own, Luce, then check it out. That sounds really fun. Is that, it's called Pet Prov? Yeah, I believe so. It's it seems it's like it's still kind of gearing up and figuring itself out. So I don't know if it has like a regular slot day yet. Nice. But I'm I'm committed for the next one where I'm going to be playing an adorable cat like I did on the first one. Uh, so I recommend it. It's a, it's a really good weird time. <laughs> That sounds really cute. All right. Fantastic. Well, um, mm -hmm. hey, you guys, if you're having a good time and you think we're really cute, then leave us a five-star review. Uh, those reviews really help us out a lot. We haven't gotten one in a little bit, but we had some really nice ones for a while, and we could really use a new one. So if you're listening right now and you love, you need to see this, give us a review. Write us a little something friendly, and we'll read it on the air. Um, That's right. We will. I actually just had someone reach out to me from... Sweden, a new listener, uh, and she loves the podcast, which is really awesome. exciting. We love being oh, I'm international. So glad to hear that. Yeah. Oh, the best. Um, there was a bunch of films that we introduced her to that she's really excited about. So thank you oh. for reaching out to us. Uh, we love to hear from you guys. And uh, thanks for listening to another episode. And thank you, Pete Burns, for editing this episode and getting the sound together. We appreciate you. Thank you, Pete. Thanks, Pete. All right, guys. Uh, tune in next time to You Need to See This. Oh, God, I prayed I'd never see that again.